this morning, if you would look with me at Romans chapter 9, and we'll start, uh, let's start in verse number 27, verse number 27, Romans 9 verse 27. The scripture here says, Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel, though the number of the children of Israel be as the sand of the sea, a remnant shall be saved, for he will finish the work and cut it short in righteousness, because a short work will the Lord make upon the earth. And as Isaiah said before, except the Lord of Sabbath had left us a seed, we had been as Sodom and been made like unto Gomorrah. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness, have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness, hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. As it is written, Behold, I lay in Sion a stumbling stone and rock of offense, and whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. Uh, let's go to the Lord and ask for his help this morning. Uh, Lord, I come to you. We thank you for the opportunity to hold in our hands your eternal word. And I thank you, God, that it's a foundation that stands sure. And I thank you, God, that you are a foundation that stands sure. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'd please help us as we examine these things this morning to see how it would apply to our lives. I pray that you'd help us to uh, learn from the mistake of the Jews that they stumbled at the stumbling stone. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to see um, you as you are, that, that precious stone. And uh, we thank you for it, Lord. Uh, we ask these things in your name. Amen. We're going to start today in verse number 30. The scripture says, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? And anytime you see that, you know that he's, uh, he has just laid some foundational truths that he's asking the question that because these things are true, what are we going to say? And what he has just established in verses 25, 26, 27, um, he's just established that God is going to leave a remnant of his people. He's going to leave a remnant. There will be a remnant of the Jews. And during the tribulation, the scripture says that God is actually going to cut that short. Because if he didn't cut it short, the, the judgment that he's going to be pouring about out upon this world and uh, with the things that are going to come against the Jews, if he didn't cut it short, they would all be wiped out. And God said that he is going to leave a remnant and has prophesied that. We see that from Hosea, Hosea um, Isaiah, is, we know as Isaiah. And we know that Romans 9, 10, and 11, this portion of Romans, is dealing primarily with Israel. Uh, we read it the very first uh, verse there, Romans 9, 27. Isaiah also crieth concerning Israel. So we know Romans 9, 10, and 11, over and over again, the, the Jewish people, the, the Jews as a nation, are mentioned as, as God's chosen people, and in, in in God is explaining the work that he's going to do with them. Now, when I, uh, look with me at verse 30. He says, What shall we say then, that the Gentiles which followed not after righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness which is of faith? So here, the scripture says that Gentiles, you have Jews, Gentiles, and then we know the Bible says the other group of people is the church of God. Jews, Gentiles, the church of God. So anybody that's not a Jew is a Gentile. And he says the Gentiles did not seek after righteousness. And you see that in the Old Testament, right? Uh, you, you might have a few exceptions where, you know, Rahab the harlot, you know, they had heard of the work that God had done um, in, in helping his people, to, in, in enabling his people to cross the Red Sea. But the Gentiles, you don't find them at the bottom of Mount Sinai getting ready to receive the law of God. 
they did not seek after the law of righteousness. And yet, how many of you today, you're a Gentile, but you have the righteousness of God? And we see, we didn't seek that through the law, but he says, how did we Gentiles, how did we find righteousness? Well, we found it by faith. Uh, hold your place here in Romans 9 and look back at Romans chapter, um, look at Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. And verse number 21. Uh, yeah, sorry, verse 19. Now we know... That what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped, and all the world may become guilty before God. Notice that when God gave the law, the only thing it did was show the Jews, show people that they were guilty. It didn't, God did not give the law to them for them to be righteous. Thanks, Josh. I've got it so together this morning that I left my notes on the copier. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right, here we go. Verse 20. Therefore, I, 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 Shauna wrote out some good stuff for me. I want to make sure you guys got it this morning. So, Verse 20. Jamie said she's still working on errands for tonight. Um, <laughs> verse 20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what our text has said is the Gentiles, they didn't follow after the law of righteousness, yet they found themselves able to be right with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And we know that Jesus Christ died for our sins on the cross. He was buried and He rose again the third day. And the scripture actually says, uh, look with me at, um, it is, look at Romans 10. The Bible says that, um, that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. So you and I are not trying to uphold the Ten Commandments to be saved, to be right before God. As Gentiles, we found the righteousness of God by faith. But look at Romans chapter 10. And look what uh, the Holy Spirit tells us here about Israel. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. For Moses describeth the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. So for somebody to be righteous by the law, they have to live by that law. And they might be able to keep a majority of the law. They might be able to keep nine out of the Ten Commandments. They might be able to keep nine and a half out of the Ten Commandments. But the Scripture says that if we offend in one point, if any man offend in one point, he is guilty of all. So the Jews went about to establish their own righteousness. They have a zeal of God. They were excited that they had the scriptures. They were going to the synagogue every, every week. They had a zeal of God, but it was not according to knowledge. Look back with me, if you would, please, at Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, verse 30. What shall we say then? That the Gentiles, which followed not after righteousness 
have attained to righteousness. How did they attain righteousness? Because they were great people? Because they lived after the law? No. Even the righteousness which is of faith. There were Gentiles that heard the gospel. They heard the word of truth. And placed their faith, their trust in Christ. And they attained righteousness. Not having their own righteousness. But by gaining the righteousness of Christ through faith. Verse 31. But Israel, which followed after the law of righteousness... And we just saw that if you follow after the law, you got to do everything that's in there. They hath not attained to the law of righteousness. Wherefore? Because they sought it not by faith, but as it were, by the works of the law. And we know that the scripture says, we read it earlier, that by the deeds of the law, by the works of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. There is not one saintly person on the face of the earth that can work enough and be good enough to be righteous before God. Not one. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. But what happens? What happened to the Jews when they were confronted with that truth? That just because they had the law of God, it didn't make them right with God. What happens in our culture when we take religious people who are going about to establish their own righteousness and they're ignorant of the righteousness of God? They go about after their own works trying to be right before God. What do they do when they are confronted with the truth? There is none righteous, no, not one. There are two responses this morning that we're going to see from this text. And we're going to go through some scriptures here in the Old Testament But they either stumble at the stumbling stone or they find Jesus Christ a sure foundation. Only those two responses. In our text here in Romans 9, verse 32, he says, Wherefore, because they sought it not by faith, but as it were by the works of the law, for they stumbled at the stumbling stone. And we're going to see that the stumbling stone is Jesus Christ. Now, this... When, when you and I give the gospel, there are probably people that we have dealt with before that as we try and show them the things from the scriptures, that they think that we're just showing them what we think. We're just showing them our little way. Our little, our little narrow Baptist way. That's just your way of seeing things. You ever dealt with somebody like that? The scripture here in verse 33 says this. I love this. As it is written, behold, Nick Arling lays in Zion. Wade knew. This is Wade's. This is Wade's way. That's just your way of seeing things. Behold, as it is written, or as it is written, behold, I lay in Zion. You know, the one who has authored this eternal plan of salvation You know who is the one that made it so narrow and Jesus Christ just declared, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me? God. God says, I lay that foundation. I lay that stone. I have chosen this way of salvation and no other. So take hope. When you give people the gospel, we're not showing them our opinion. 
we're just saying God's laid this, this stone and here's Christ died for you. He, he rose again from the dead and you can have righteousness by faith. That's just what God has said. Notice uh, what the psalmist said. And uh, this is a, a direct quote here. Look at Psalm 118. Psalm 118. And what we're going to do this morning, we're just going to run cross-references here on where God talks about this stone, uh, this stone of stumbling, and, and see what God says about it. Uh, Psalm 118, and look at verse number 21. I will praise thee, for thou hast heard me, and art become my salvation. The stone which the builders refused is become the headstone of the corner. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. <laughs> I love it. When we were going back through the 60th anniversary of the church, uh, it was so fun to learn that the cornerstone out here um, at the building, Jeff and Sue let us know that is a time capsule. You should have seen the teenagers after they, they found that out. They, they were trying to figure out how can we come up with an activity where we accidentally knock off half, half of the building <laughs> and find out what is in there. All right. Now, for some of you, your parents are so old, just go through their living room and it's the same stuff. But no, just kidding. Sorry, I've been around these guys too long this weekend. <laughs> but uh, apparently that cornerstone of the church there is a time capsule. Well, what God has just said, imagine, those of you guys, many of you, you're in construction, you build things. And, uh, you know, our summer man camp, the guys are showing us how to frame up a wall, frame up a wall with a door in it. And uh, there, there is a way to pick out a two-by-four. Uh, my dad, he was just uh, helping me cut something from my house. And I saw him. I saw him take that two-by-four and kind of just see which way it was bowing. And many of you guys that have worked in building things, you know that there have been pieces of material that you've thrown out because you said, that, that's not going to... Uh, I can't build with that and, and make it all straight and square. And it's, it's not going to have the stability that it needs to have if I use that piece. Well, you know what the Jews did with Jesus Christ? Uh, God, that's a piece we don't really we don't really need that over there. And God says that stone that the builders rejected. I'm going to make that the cornerstone. That's the most important block you can lay in a foundation for a building is the cornerstone. If the cornerstone's not right, the rest of the building will be off. And the builders, the Jews, as a nation, their Messiah, they refused it. They rejected it. God said, you might reject that piece, but I'm not. It's become the head of the corner. That's God's plan. And he said, I lay in Zion uh, this, this, this stone. And I love it. In Psalm 118, in verse number um, 23, he says, this is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. And isn't that the right response to salvation? Isn't that the right response to the, the eternal plan that God has authored here? To look at it and say, God, you took and came to this earth and lived a perfect sinless life and shed your blood for us on the cross and rose from the dead. And I just have to believe in my heart that and I, I can be saved. That's the Lord's doing. It's marvelous in our eyes. You know, it's amazing the lengths that people will go to to try to be right with God. You know, they'll, you've heard pastor talk about being in Rome when the Pope died and people are kissing statues. They're, they're walking on their hands and knees. Um, people every year around Easter will, will, in the Philippines and, and some of these other countries, they will literally crucify them their own selves. But you tell them, hey, believe in Jesus. Oh, no. It's the stone which the builders rejected. 
Look with me, if you would, at uh, Isaiah chapter 8. Isaiah chapter 8. We see here that many of the Jews, this was their response. Isaiah chapter 8. If you would look with me at verse 14. Uh, We'll start in verse 13. Sanctify the Lord of hosts Himself, and let Him be your fear. And let him be your dread. And he shall be for a sanctuary, but for a stone of stumbling, and for a rock of offense to both the houses of Israel, for a gin that's like a trap, and for a snare to the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And many among them shall shall stumble and fall and be broken and be snared and, and be taken. And we know that happened to many of the Jews. Many of them did not receive the Messiah. He said, let the Lord be your sanctuary. This stone that I've set, He will give you a covering and a safe haven, a safe place. But many stumbled, many rejected, many fell. So we see, even in this passage, we see those two responses. Is the Lord our sanctuary or is He that stone of stumbling? Then look at Isaiah chapter uh, 5. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 5. And this is going to be important because this will set up a passage in Matthew that we're going to look at. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1. Now will I sing to my well-beloved a song of my beloved, touching his vineyard. All right, that's a key word I want you to remember, the vineyard. My well-beloved hath a vineyard in a very fruitful hill, and he fenced it and gathered out the stones thereof and planted it with the choicest vine and built a tower in the midst of it and also made a wine press therein. And he looked that it should bring forth grapes, and it brought forth wild grapes. Um... Many of you have a garden, and when you went out to plant that garden, most of you did not look at your driveway and say, that's it, that's the spot. That, especially that crack right there, man, green beans are going to be shooting out of that thing. <laughs> you know? What do you do when you plant a garden? You look for the choicest soil. You might even have to do things to the ground. To uh, you know, Today we've got so many different products that you can basically steroid a garden. You, know, it's, you can spike it and do all these kinds of things. Um, I'm getting ready to, we're getting ready to have our front porch redone. Really looking forward to this. And I had to call Aaron uh, uh, Edwards on the phone because I've got to move a couple of bushes away from where our front porch is going to be. And uh, he, he told me, you know, you cut around this. And, and then he said, just stick, just stick a bunch of spikes in it. <laughs> you know, so I'm going to try and save these bushes that have been growing for about three or four years and uh, with spikes. And it, it's amazing the gardening equipment that we have today and different things you can do to it. Now, some of you that uh, are like my wife, all the all-natural, you know, food. You're going, don't stick chemicals in it, you know, but, uh, sorry. The, not sure what that had to do with anything, but um, the garden, the vineyard here, he picks out the the choicest place for this vineyard, and he does everything he can to make sure that this vineyard is going to grow and be healthy and be um, just an amazing vineyard. But then it brings forth wild grapes, And if he had not chosen the best location, if he had not watered it, he might have expected that. But with all of the work that this husbandman put into this vineyard, he expected more than that. Verse 3, And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge, I pray you, betwixt me and my vineyard, what could have been done more to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Think about that. What more could God have done for the Jews? Verse, uh, wherefore, when I looked that it should bring forth grapes, uh, brought it forth wild grapes? 
And now go to, I will tell you what I will do to my vineyard. I will take away the hedge thereof. It shall be eaten up and break down the wall thereof, and it shall be trodden down, and I will lay it waste. It shall not be pruned nor digged, but there shall come up briars and thorns. I will also command the clouds that they rain no rain upon it. For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel. So right here we have the vineyard is the house of Israel. Now, if you would turn with me, please, to Matthew chapter 21. Matthew chapter 21. And again, it's amazing where in the Gospels, people that don't divide the Scripture properly, they'll make this vineyard, you know, be Christians during the tribulation. Like, what in the world? It's just, it, it, it's wild, the interpretations that people come up with. But when you just look at what God says, He, he tells us the vineyard is the house of Israel. Matthew chapter 21, and look at verse 33. Hear another parable. There was a certain householder, this is the Lord speaking here, which there was a householder which planted a vineyard and hedged it round about and digged a wine press in it and built a tower and let it out to husbandmen and went into a far country. And when the time of the fruit drew near, he sent his servants to the husbandmen that they might receive the fruits of it. And the husbandmen took his servants, beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did unto them likewise. But last of all, he sent unto them his son, saying, They will reverence my son. But when the husbandmen saw the son, they said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and let us seize on his inheritance. And they caught him, and cast him out of the vineyard, and slew him. When the Lord therefore of the vineyard cometh, what will he do unto those husbandmen? They say unto him, these are the Pharisees, these are the Jews, he will miserably destroy those wicked men and will let out his vineyard unto other husbandmen which shall render unto him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said unto them, Did you never read in the Scriptures the stone which the builders rejected? The same has become the head of the corner. This is the Lord's doing and is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say unto you, the kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a nation bringing forth the fruits thereof. And whosoever shall fall on this stone shall be broken, but on whomsoever it shall fall, it will grind him to powder. And when the chief priests and Pharisees had heard his parables, they perceived that he spake of them. But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitude because they took him for a prophet. So these Pharisees, these religious elite, these religious rulers, stumbled at the stumbling stone. Jesus identifies that through this parable and says, you're un unworthy, you, you judge, you don't want this kingdom of God. And we know that the kingdom of God is a spiritual kingdom. You know, pastor has taught on that, the difference between the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. And you guys remember that the reason we know that they're different? They're spelled with different letters. You guys remember that? He's, he's talked about that. No, but the kingdom of heaven is the physical, literal kingdom. The kingdom of God is also a, a real kingdom, but it's a spiritual kingdom. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to take that and give it to a different nation. And these Jews, it's just incensing them that he would say that. They are stumbling at the stumbling stone. Um, they don't want to accept that, that they've uh, rejected God's plan. They don't want to accept that they are refusing the Messiah. And the Lord says that if that stone falls on them, it will grind them to powder. I thought about this. You know, if something's broken, you know, they're not super glue. You can try and put it back together. But grind it to powder... How are you going to super glue that? I mean, you see the, the destruction that comes to someone. Not that they're annihilated, but you see the destruction where they will be utterly destroyed 
to where that's an irreparable decision. When they are cast into that lake of fire, that's it. There's no putting that back together. He says that if that stone falls on them, they'll be ground to powder. And we see here as a nation, again, look at uh, with me, uh, if you would, quickly at Romans chapter 10. At Romans chapter 10, we see, were there Jews during the time of Christ that believed in the Lord? Oh, absolutely. There, there were those that uh, believed on the Lord. And we saw him heal many people, and many of those people uh, believed on him. But as a nation, nationally, Romans chapter 10 tells us this. Verse 21. But to Israel, he saith, all day long I have stretched forth my hands unto a disobedient and gainsaying people. And if you remember what the Lord said about Jerusalem, he said, Jerusalem, O Jerusalem, how often would I have gathered you under uh, as a hen, gather her, uh, the, those chickens under her wings, and ye would not. The Lord had offered them salvation and they rejected it. So we see from Isaiah, we see from Psalms that there are those who, who reject and stumble at the stumbling stone. But notice with me when you're on the opposite side of that response. And what the Lord is for you when you don't stumble at Him and, and you receive Him as your Savior. Look at Isaiah chapter 28. Isaiah chapter 28. Let's see what this stone is for us. Isaiah 28 and verse 16. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I lay in Zion for a foundation stone, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He that believeth shall not make haste. Do you know what this foundation is for us? This stone? I love the hymn. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is singing sand. That's my favorite hymn. I love it. Because Jesus Christ here. He is the foundation. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he said in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the foundation of my salvation. He is my salvation. And when I stand before God, I will have no works of my own wherewith to present Him and say, Hey, I, look at why I'm righteous. It'll be, God, thank you for the righteousness of Christ. It's all of Him. So He is a foundation stone. Um, he's, I love this, verse 16. He's a tried stone. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Has the Lord proven himself to be faithful in your life? You know, Pastor mentioned last week, so many of those in our church family, you guys are going through so many different things. Um, some of you, you know, your life is just, it, it's never been better. Others of you, you, you've never been at a lower point. But through all of that, he is a tried stone. The Lord says that He will never leave us nor forsake us. And that if, if um, I love it where if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Uh, the faithfulness of God is so pinnacle to, to, it needs to be to our everyday life. And I hope that you're encouraged in your faith by knowing that the Lord, He's a tried stone. And if it's been a while since He's been tried in your life, try it again. Say, Lord, I don't, I don't understand. This hurts and, and, and my heart aches. And God, this is what I'm going through. But I know that you're the tried stone. And God, I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to believe you. Is he a sure foundation? Is he a tried stone? It says here, he's a precious cornerstone. You know, we sing the song sometimes, Jesus, the sweetest name I know. 
Man, nothing will get people riled up in, a, in our culture than to just stand up and go, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Just go try to say that at Applebee's someday. See what happens, man. You know, to many, he's a stumbling stone. To every believer in there, they're going to go, wow, that's pretty cool. He's a precious stone. You hear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? I love it. We looked at it on Wednesday. The Bible says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And it talks about how he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God hath highly exalted him, given him a name that's above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Can I show you what? This is exciting. You guys know this week the United Nations is meeting? And man, they're just going to hammer out the world's problems. Now, how many of you guys know the United Nations has carved in stone part of Isaiah? Let's look at the part of Isaiah that they carved in stone. Look at um, Isaiah chapter... Isaiah chapter 2. This is, so, this is amazing. I, I just saw this on the news that Ahmadinejad is going to be over there speaking. And I thought, you know what? We're just going to look at this text this morning and... Just, at least in here, we're going to declare who has laid the foundation stone in Zion, and it's Jesus Christ. Uh, Isaiah chapter 2, and the second half of verse 4, they have this uh, there at the United Nations. And they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. Oh, that's a message of such peace. I'm just so glad Iran doesn't want to wipe Israel off the map. So glad of that. I'm so glad that's what they're using their, you know, uranium or whatever it is for. It, I just love it, you know, as Americans, if we just maybe, I don't advocate this, but if there was ever any vandalism to carve the rest, like the beginning of this verse into that, I, I'd probably laugh, but I don't advocate that, okay? Look at, look, look at how the chapter starts, right? If the United Nations would just read the passage, chapter 2, verse 1. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. It shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow into it. And many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of not Ishmael, it's the God of Jacob. We're not worshiping Allah. We're worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. I'm so glad they're not going to be able to nuke it off the, play, off the map. And if they do, God's going to put it back there because he's in Jerusalem reigning and ruling and all nations are going to him. In verse 4, and he shall judge among the nations and he shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up the sword against nation, neither shall they learn any more. O house of Jacob, come ye and let us walk in the light of the Lord. Put that on your monument, United Nations. The Lord Jesus Christ, God says, I lay in Zion, and I don't care if it's the president of this country or the president of that country. I don't care if it's the most powerful nations come against me on the Out of my mouth go the sharp sword that with it he should smite the nations. He's going to take care of them. And he lays in Zion a precious stone. The name of Jesus Christ is a precious name that we know it's highly exalted 
And there's coming a day in which this world, every, you know, President Vladimir Putin, his knee's going to bow. And I hope it does before he dies. I hope it does before we go out into eternity. That person that you work with, man, that curses the name of Christ, they will bow. Hopefully, man, you keep working on them. You keep praying for them. You keep being as nice as you possibly can to them. And maybe their knee will bow before it's too late. But there is a day in which it will bow. Because God's the one that lays that foundation stone. He's precious. And then we'll continue here. It's a tried stone. It's a precious stone. The the Scripture says it's a sure foundation. Now, we read there in Matthew that God told the Jews, I would take the kingdom of God and give it to another nation. This is very interesting. Look at 2 Peter, if you would, with me. I'm sorry, 1 Peter. Look at 1 Peter and chapter 2. You know, I told the, uh, we were talking about Lot this morning in Sunday school and Lot lifted up his eyes. And when he, he lifted up his eyes and then he picked the plane, you guys remember that? And the scripture says that mine eye affecteth my heart. And um, I told the, 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 these guys, you know, I didn't wake up this morning thinking about, you know, starving children in Africa. But I guarantee you, if we had had a missionary this morning that would have shown us slides of children in Africa that need the gospel. Man, how many of you, every time you see a missionary slide that affects your heart? It does. God, the Lord says, "Mine eye affecteth mine heart." And as I think, you know, I think about Iran and you know this president and all the stuff that's going on at the United Nations. And then you just see the people of those countries that they are just so locked up in Islam. And I mean, man, we need to thank God that we didn't grow up in a Muslim home where we were able to hear the gospel come to church. I mean, praise God that He gave you that opportunity. Now, we know that the Lord has set the bounds of their habitation that they might seek after Him um, there in Acts. But, man, I'm thankful that I grew up in the home that I did where I could hear the gospel. And we need to pray for men like uh, Edgar Fagali and these other missionaries that are trying to take the gospel to Sudan. You know, Pastor mentioned it last week when he was over there with Brother Fagali, meeting, a, meeting pastors from these Sudanese churches where their people had been shot. The pastor was in a wheelchair because he got shot. I can't imagine that. Man, so our, our heart ought to break for the people of those nations, um, though their leaders, man, are, are obviously going the wrong way. First Peter chapter 2, if you would look here uh, with me in verse 1. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you have tasted the Lord, that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Again, you see those two responses. Even in the New Testament, today, there will be people, as we give them the gospel, they're going about to establish their own righteousness. And when we show them the clear teaching of Scripture, we show them the gospel, that there is no other way of salvation than through Jesus Christ. They may say that's a way that's disallowed. That You can't teach that way here. Don't bring that here. It's a disallowed gospel. But to us, it's precious chosen of God. Verse 5, ye also as lively stones. We're like Christ, amen? As lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Sion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore that believeth he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient. 
the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. And a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them, notice this, which stumble at the word being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Now we're a spiritual nation. Jews and Gentiles, the middle wall of partition has been broken down. And the scripture says we're one. And God will again, after we're raptured out of here, deal with his people, the Jews. But right now we're in holy nation. We're a royal priesthood. And you see the response of people today is when they hear the gospel, when they hear that Christ is the way of salvation, that's God's stone that he has set up. They may disallow it. They may stumble at the word, the very thing that we use to show people how to be saved. When they stumble at the stumbling stone, it's because they're stumbling at the word of God. Well, how do we know God really said that? How do we know? They stumble. They trip over it. They stumble at the word. But unto us which are saved, we shall. Romans, um, the, the end of the verse there in our text, Romans, he says, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. When you and I bow before Jesus Christ at that day and confess him, I'm not going to be ashamed. You going to be ashamed? You know, and jokingly, I want to say, you know, I'm going to look at everybody and be like, I was right. You know, but at that day, when they find out the truth, I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm not going to be the one that's confounded. Aren't you glad that the Lord is your Savior and He's precious? But today, let me ask you, there might be someone in here that you have stumbled at the stumbling stone. You, you've been here maybe more than just today. You've been here for a while, and, and you've heard the gospel over and over. But you say, you know what? I, I, I know you guys talk about being saved by grace through faith alone, but, 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 but don't stumble at the stumbling stone. Salvation is so simple. Don't stumble at that. Let the word of Christ... Don't stumble at, this, um, at the word. Let Christ be that precious stone in your life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to, to hear your word this morning.